Well, hello, everyone. I am very happy to have the guests that we have tonight. Welcome, everybody else who's watching. It took us a few minutes to get started. Uh, it took us a few minutes to get sharing everywhere. So uh, we're happy you're here, happy you're watching episode two of Prodigious Kentuckians. You can sit back, relax, get a snack, put your feet up, do whatever you want to do. We'll do all the work for you. I'm your host, Trent Garrison, and this is my co-host, Julie Martinez. Hello, Julie. Are you there? I'm here. Glad to be here with everybody tonight. All right, great. Well, we're glad to have you back. I apologize for not introducing you last time. I, a lot of my friends know you anyway, so <laughs> that's good. Um, so uh, just a quick note before we get started today, we are now on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel. Um, we're on pretty much every podcast and, and we'll soon have a website. So I'm very excited about that. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. So for tonight, I am very happy and excited to have uh, our guest that I've known for pretty much, I guess, what, exactly four years now for, for, for Nima and, you know, not too much different than that for, for Jenny, but we have Nima Brewer on, Dr. Jenny Bolander, and we will later have music from Eric Bolander and these assholes, which um, I'm not sure if uh, these assholes are going to be joining us or not, but uh, that may be us. We don't know. So we'll, we'll, so we'll figure that out. So um, welcome, friends. How's it going? Going good. Um, my, my fat beagle, Johnny Cash here, has decided to join us, um, but he's very busy licking himself right now. So. <laughs> All right. He might pop back up in a second. <laughs> Well, we welcome yeah, I, all pets. Things are good. Yeah, I don't have a fat beagle licking itself uh, with me, but I do have cats and a lot of uh, creatures that my dad has killed. So <laughs> we took a tour earlier, and I was very impressed. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, we haven't seen each other in a long time with COVID and everything. So it's nice to just see, you know, just see your faces and uh, just, just right. we talked a little bit beforehand. So that was nice, but I'll jump right in. So if you don't mind, uh, Nima and, and Jenny, just tell us how 120 got started. How did all this happen? How did you get involved? Um, well, I'll, I'll jump in first and Jenny can uh, uh, jump on too. I mean, basically, the long and the short of it is, is that a need was, was uh, there was a need for uh, regular rank and file public employees, specifically school employees as well, to, uh, you know, just take a stand and to, and to uh, really get involved in Frankfurt and to uh, be that voice that sometimes we... Um, didn't feel like we were we were represented sometimes as far as just the general rank and file. And of course, you know, it was at the time when West Virginia um, had really uh, stepped up and stepped out literally. And so, you know, we just, I just kept thinking, why not us? Why not us, you know? Um, and then uh, Blair, uh, who uh, was the co-founder uh, along with me, just one day she just said, what's it going to take to shut down this state? And basically I had seen an NPR or heard an NPR report about how West Virginia organized and how they kind of did it with this secret Facebook group. And so I just told Blair, I said, we just need to start a Facebook page. 
And so we started the page and I think when we woke up the next morning, there were like 8,000 people in the group and we were like, holy shit, you know, like this is real. Like, you know, like now we can't, there's no going back now. And so basically uh, there had been some other stuff we had done with uh, Bluegrass Activist Alliance, uh, you know, going to Frankfurt uh, before all this had started really helped. And then um, that kind of uh, my work, work with BGAA also uh, folks were like, hey, how can we uh, do this uh, with Kentucky United, which is the, the employee group, our sister group. And so they actually kicked off in November 1st, I think was the date, Jenny, if I'm correct about that. They did the first big rally, you know, in Frankfurt. Nobody knew who anybody was really. And that really kicked it off. And from August until March, I guess, is whenever we said we've got to, to do something. But literally within three weeks after uh, 120 was formed, uh, we shut down about 30 districts in the state. From the time it was a, a that it formed until the time that we burst onto the scene, it was a, about three weeks. So there was a lot of organizing that was done very quickly, very uh, organically, but then also really tightly organized. We learned a lot from West Virginia. We learned a lot from our labor brothers and sisters on exactly how to uh, group it, like to where it was manageable. And that was all in about three weeks. And so that was kind of the most, I think, amazing part uh, about all of it. But that's really how we we started. We we saw this, you know, stuff building and building. And then we finally said, well, why not us, Kentucky? And so that's kind of what we did. Yeah, for, for those who might not, might be listening to this for the first time and who have not heard of 120, which, you know, most, most of my friends in the places this is going to be, they will have heard of it. But um, what what caused this? Like even backing up a little bit more than that, what what caused what was the impetus of uh, of people wanting to get together and just kind of the the general mission, I guess you would say, of of one twenty. I think it was. I mean, a, a lot of these groups sprang up out of a response to the Governor Bevin's first pension plan, um, and I think that's how I got involved in joining um, uh, Kentucky Government United. Uh, Shoot, I'm going to say it wrong, and I'm so mad. Um, uh, help me out, Katie's group. What is it? Help me. <laughs> uh, uh, Kentucky uh, United. United. Yeah. United, we stay in government employees. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I don't want to get that wrong. Um, but um, I originally went to their rally on November 1st, like Nima was saying, and um, that's sort of how I got involved. But it all started with that really awful, awful pension plan. Um, that really would have tanked teachers, police, firefighters, any state employee, um, their pensions. And I was um, a relatively new mom to an infant at the time. So uh, I was up a lot of late nights um, with her and I would have her in one arm and my phone in the other reading and learning literally everything I could. Um, and that's how I got involved with the Facebook groups and whatnot to learn more because people were providing articles and more and more to read. So I would know what was happening. Um, I think sometime around that Christmas, I, um, maybe right after Christmas when they went into session, I decided to schedule like my first meeting with my representative and my senator. And I had never done anything like that before. I didn't realize it was easy and anybody could do it, <laughs> um, especially me. Like that was very shocking to me. 
Um, and then eventually got added. I was one of the 8,000 people that joined, that was dropped into the group. Somebody added me um, right after 120 started. So, um, but all of it was 100% in response to Bevan's really awful, was it the keeping the promise plan? Was that what he called it? Um, I yeah, think that was the PFM reports, what we yeah. call it, PFM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it turns out we were 100% right on how bad that was. <gasps> it's Blair. Um, we were we have a surprise guest. On how bad that was because they finally released an actuarial report for it. It would have cost the state so much more money, made our pension so much worse. Um, and because remember, they wouldn't release it forever. And the reason was it was such a bad deal. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how I got involved. But I'm just really excited to see Blair's face. Me too. Yeah, ladies hey! and gentlemen. This is Blair. She is the co-founder of 120. So hello, Blair. Hi. Sorry, I've been busy burning my kitchen down all day today. So. I heard about that. That's, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, so it's been very exciting. It's been a day for everybody. Jenny had uh, some bad luck earlier too. So yeah, it's, uh, sorry to hear about all that, but glad you made it. Glad you're yeah, here. Well, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Old familiar faces. We were just talking about how, you know, how folks got involved with, with 120 and the origins of it and everything, so. It was the universe, you know, that <laughs> put us all together at the right time, I guess. That's right, that's right. We frequently joke that if we have anything to thank Matt Bevan for, it's each other. Like, I don't know that we ever would have met had he not been such an awful, awful human in government. Yep. Well, Julie, do you have any uh, questions? Yeah. Um, I was just remembering as both of you were talking about that first rally in Frankfurt, um, and I always remember me being there and it was um, standing on the steps there and just looking out at the like sea of people as they were, you know, they were coming in that day and just feeling like this was a really historic moment of, of Kentuckians coming together. Um, and I, what I love about it is, is that it really did spark a whole movement and you all have sparked a whole movement. Um, and I'm curious to know, you know, what, are, what do you feel like some of your successes have been through the 120? Um, I have some ideas of, you know, some of the things I think have been so amazing. I love you all have activated people. You're getting people out. You know, every time we have an election, you all are doing a ton. I think you had a huge amount to do with Bashir being elected. Um, but I would love to hear from you all. You know, what do you feel the pr most proud about? What successes do you feel like um, you've had in the last couple of years? I'll, I'll happily start. I think um, you were talking about the first um, sick out we had, um, which was three weeks after um, you know, we had started as 120. I feel like, um, for me, that will always be something that's just mind blowing to me, um, for a couple of reasons. But one was that most of us had never met in person until that day. Um, most of the leaders in 120, that was the first time we ever met. It's really hard to, um, imagine that like you can do all of that without even seeing each other's faces, but you can, um, you know, we stayed in constant contact for weeks. We, you know, hammered down messaging. We knew kind of what, you know, you had a quick crash course in getting to know these people and what they were good at, what their strengths were, what, you know, what your strengths were um, and whatnot. So I, I will forever and ever um, probably, you know, you talk about your face was shocked. I think our faces were even more shocked. Like, oh my God, <laughs> that happened. Like, um, I, I remember walking, we met in the back of the Capitol by the annex and we walked around the building 
And that's when we first saw the people down the hill near the KEA building that were going to start coming up. And it was just mind blowing. And I was noticing on your screen, um, Saver, you had Trent for this um, call that um, the pictures, yeah, the pictures from inside the Capitol and outside, but definitely inside down at the bottom. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal um, how many people were in there because that's just a picture taken from the second floor coming down the steps from the third floor looking at the second floor, but there were people, the first floor was like that, the second floor was like that, you can't really crowd in on the third floor like that because they just physically won't let you, but I mean, you, it was wall to wall. I've never, ever, ever seen anything like it, so yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the, the moment where I think all of us were like, holy crap, mm -hmm. this is actually real, and it was one of those things, I think that the biggest uh, contribution that the 120 has done is that we have provided a community uh, for people to uh, learn how to use their voice. And I think to me, that's the legacy. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we uh, went hard after Bevan, uh, Bashir got in. You know, that was awesome. And, but I think to me, the, what I hope uh, that the le lasting legacy of the 120 is, is that it returned uh, a voice and, and a feeling of we can do this if we're in it together kind of thing to a lot of people who felt disenfranchised and a little bit kind of, you know, just like that the, they didn't really have any say in anything. And that was the first thing. I think the second thing is, is that it really opened up government and, a lot of people learned how their government worked. I learned how my government worked and, you know, the LRC line and, and all these things, you know, these are things that I think a lot of us had no clue about three years ago. And the, the beauty too, and I'm not trying to, we've had some great men who have helped us along the way, but to me, the, the incredible uh, beauty of the 120 is that it is a predominantly female organization and that these are women who have found each other, found their voices, uh, found their passion. And, you know, we're moms, we're wives, we're partners, we're whatever. And, but yet these are things that we realized that we could do. And I think that alone should be the, what the takeaway is, is that, you know, strong women, who decided they weren't gonna put up with it anymore with the backing of some really good men, you know, as well. And to me that, I hope that's the lasting legacy is the, is that the, the returning the power to the, to the people instead of, you know, anything else. I hope that's the la lasting legacy. That's my proudest moment is that all these wonderful women who just said, we're not gonna, you know, we can't do it anymore. You know, we used to say, Superman's not coming. We're the heroes to save ourselves. Nobody's coming to help. And so I think that's still true today. So from the comments on Facebook, Sarah says, and the answer to how did it started, she says, a bunch of pissed off women. That's how it started. <laughs> and I love another, that. another comment I saw is I going off of what Nima just said, I fully there's a bunch of comments, but I fully attribute the reason that I'm involved now to 120. So That's I think, awesome. you know, I think a lot of people, 
uh, would say the same thing, given that it grew to what, 40,000 in a matter of a, a short amount of time. Yeah. And there were, you know, the reason it was called 120 is because there were people in all 120 counties who were involved. And that's, that's something truly impressive. And it speaks to, um, well, like, like somebody said, uh, you know, a, a bunch of pissed off people can do if the wrong type of legislation comes down. I can't believe y'all aren't giving thanks to Damon Thayer because that's really the, right, <laughs> the day after that, or it was that same day. Um, if people, I think I move. If people were um, at the in Frankfurt that day when you know they were pushing that legislation through, and Damon Thayer, you know, with his little smirk, um, that's how I remember it all going down because we were in an overflow room, and I had just met Nima. <laughs> And I could just hear her hollering, you know, down, down the hallway there. <clears throat> and it's like, you know, if they're going to try to ruin our day, we're going to ruin their day. <laughs> and, um, and I had yeah. nothing but time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, what are we going to call this thing? I, I remember I, re I reached out to somebody. I said, how do we get us a strike going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we were trying to come, you know, it was like, was it 120? What is the name? Uh, mm -hmm. And so... We got the Facebook group going and um, Nima started talking mutiny and, <laughs> you know, by, you know, we got it up at 6 p.m. And by 7 p.m. we had a thousand people. Yep. By nine, there were like 4,000 people. When we woke up the next morning, it was 10,000 people. And I was That's like, right. Crap. And so then it started getting kind of real. And I don't remember, I think the, um, I kind of felt that the, we, the lock, it was a, uh, that first shutdown, that first Wildcat was two weeks, not three weeks after. Oh. It was quick. I mean, when it yeah. started rolling, it was like it wouldn't stop. And when we did, there was only a couple handfuls of us um, that shut the state down. So I was always, I'll always be proud of that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that day, that, that next morning at the Capitol, it was like, wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Look how, how much crap Nima started, you know? Who, who's that with you, Blair? <laughs> That's Athena Rose. Hi there. <laughs> so I'll always be proud of that. I mean, that was, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it was just, you know, cause I was going up there. Cause of course with what I do, I'm very seasonal. So I just had nothing but time. Mm. And my husband's a school teacher. So I thought, I thought I'll just go up on his benefit. Um, and we met through a mutual, a mutual friend name. And I did, I wish I had a picture of the the way she looked at me the first time I met her, she's like, who the hell is this out of Louisville, Kentucky? <laughs> like, she ain't, who is this person? And then I was like, well, I, but really, I, that day, the Damon Thayer with that smirk, that was it. That, yeah. that was it. I thought they're going to sit here. I, and it was just the frustration of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, teachers, public employees work very hard for what they have and trying to take it away. And, you know, before the 120 happened, I would sit in on some of the KEA calls and you'd hear folks uh, that all they had was their pension and the fear mm -hmm. of people. They were already couldn't make ends meet. Mm -hmm. And I, I was an abomination. So uh, I thought, well, hell, I, you know, and at that point, I thought KEA, that they, you know, that the associations, everybody had it taken care of and then we were finding out very quickly it wasn't taken care of so 
But yeah, I mean, I think I'll always be, and then, you know, trying to, things were happening so fast, you know, you start getting 20,000 people uh, in a group and people want answers and they want some direction. And it was just trying to get people to, um, we broke it down into zones. That's right. Somebody had, had told us to break it down, uh, break it up into the six zones. And then it was just trying to get people to step up. And uh, I think Jenny was the first one, Lexington. <laughs> And then, of course, we got um, <laughs> Christina, the Trospers on, but it seemed, yeah, but Jenny was the first one that stepped up. And then Kelsey, Kelsey, mm -hmm. well, it might have been, yeah, it might have been, so. And Paula. Paula. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we got it, we had, and then Travis, I guess, was our yeah. Western Kentucky. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just trying to get people to help. So how was the relationship between teachers and state employees how did that how did that happen uh with you know 120 120's mission is to help uh you know teachers but also state employees from from my understanding so how did that can you explain a little bit more about that well i think that you know one of the things that that we noticed that frankfurt really likes to do is you know they like to separate us into tiers they like to separate us into different retirement systems. So you kind of have, there's always kind of this haves and have nots kind of thing going on. And those are just ways to divide employees ultimately, like the tier systems and stuff. That, that's what that does. And so for us, as because when I started on the, on the public, because, you know, everybody knows I'm not a teacher. Uh, <laughs> but, does everybody but I, know? Right, I'm not a teacher. Uh, but I work for, you know, for a public school system uh, as a graphic artist. And so, uh, and I'm in the teacher retirement system. And so, um, because of my classification. So anyway, basically, we, we recognize that, that we're all really in this together. And that a lot of the state employees had gotten screwed over uh, prior. Mm -hmm. And so, but I don't think it was, the time wasn't right. You know, you didn't have what was going on in West Virginia. West Virginia was a real catalyst for us and really showed us that it could be done, mm -hmm. you know, especially because they're our neighbors. They're so close. You know, uh, we have a really good relationship with a lot of the folks still in the West Virginia movement. And so I think that that's really kind of what what started it. But we also recognize that we're all in this together. We're all public employees. But what we realized is, is that really the teachers really had the most power to really halt things, you know, uh, to stop the madness. And so that was kind of, you know, that's kind of how it all just came about. We were like, listen, if we're gonna, if we're gonna make a real stand, we've got to have teachers to really make a stand with us too. And so, you know, we realized that we need each other, you know, support services needs teachers, just like teachers need support services. Mm -hmm. And so it was just one of those things like solidarity, you know, and I think that really helped too, you know, our, our, we've always thought that nobody should be left behind, you know, in any of this. And so that's kind of that, I hope that answered your question, Trent, yeah. but that's kind of how it all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have all kinds of questions, but I'll, I'll turn it over to Julie for now. All right. Yeah, so several people are mentioning in the comments on Facebook, and, and this dovetailed with the question that I had next as well. Um, you know, we have another session coming up in January. Um, we have a lot, I, really a lot of challenges right now. I mean, already we're dealing with the pandemic, 
COVID has had such a huge impact on our schools this year and our teachers, the workload of our teachers. Um, and we have a, another session coming with a supermajority of Republicans, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that they're not pro-education, but on the same hand, we have found in the past that often Republicans are not pro-education, are no, not pro-public education. Um, so what are some priorities for this coming year for you all? <coughs> Excuse me, Jenny, I'll, I'll pass this off to you, but I think that the first thing that the priority is the pandemic should come before everything else. You know, uh, the response as far as if we want our schools to open, our communities have got to follow the guidelines. Uh, these things don't just happen, you know, because you want them to happen. They happen because you work towards making it happen. And so, you know, I have a lot of concerns that we don't have proper PPE in our public schools. We don't have, because of, you know, uh, class sizes uh, in our public schools, we don't have the capacity to space out uh, six, you know, six feet uh, to be safe. You know, we don't have the money, the dollars to put up plexiglass fishbowls for every teacher, every student. We just don't have it. And, um, and so for me, you know, that has to be the number one priority is, and it's a budget year because they only passed a one-year budget this past time. And so they've got 30 days to pass a budget and to figure out whatever else they're going to do to us. And so I think our priority number one is always public education, fully funded, that includes our universities. Uh, and, you know, uh, it also, we need to focus on what it is that we've learned from this pandemic so far. What can we do to better education after coming through this? You know, access to, uh, to the internet. You know, these are things that, you know, even in the city of Lexington, we struggled with getting hotspots initially for students. I can't imagine what it's like in the rural counties. And so, you know, I think that that to me should be what we're talking about. Of course, you know, we're going to be dealing with a bunch of stuff. I have no doubts they're going to bring vouchers up uh, again. And, and when, you know, and like we were talking about earlier, people don't understand that private schools have much fewer kids in their classrooms. Than public schools do. Uh, that's why it's been a little bit safer, I think, for them to open, or they think that they can, you know. And so, you know, there's just all kinds of different challenges, and I don't really know. I'll be honest with you. It 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 could be really really scary bad this year because we don't really have a mechanism uh, to stop the numbers. You know, like we we're so outnumbered. And it was really unfortunate. You know, Travis Brenda got beat. He was a huge GOP public ed supporter. And, you know, he got beat because people were being petty because Jonathan Shell got beat the first time. I mean, it was petty politics. His own party called him a rhino and worked to get him thrown out because they were mad because their buddy Jonathan Shell wasn't there anymore. This is the kind of stuff that happens in Frankfurt. It doesn't matter if you're a good legislator. And you're actually doing things for your community and you're supporting public ed. It's all part of this, you know, little clique group. And, and you know, this is an issue. 
but that's that's just me pontificating. So I'll pop over. I'll let Jeannie finish it up. Um, you know, we had sat down after last session and really brainstormed some things. We really wanted to hit hard this session so that we could start working over the summer and talking to our contacts and really kind of instead of fighting things, we wanted to push for things. Um, and then the pandemic happened. So um, I don't think any of us thought we would have been in the place we were, the position we were nine, 10 months ago. Um, so some of that fell by the wayside and new priorities emerged. Um, I think Nima touched on class size and that's one that's really been exposed um, as a bigger problem than it, you know, we've talked, we need lower class sizes and we've talked about that for years. Um, but we've not really seen any push to get that done. You know, the fact remains that most of the districts across the state would be able to be back in schools if we had had those lower class sizes in place to start with, period. And social distancing wouldn't be an issue. But when you're sitting um, in classes with 31, 32, sometimes more um, to a teacher, it, it becomes a real issue. Um, you know, our buildings are old. A lot of the, our buildings are old. The ventilation's not good. Um, there's just no way currently to do it safely. However, if we had had proper funding all along, it wouldn't have even been an issue. Um, you know, I don't know. There's not a single bit of research that states the more kids you have in a class, the better they all learn. In fact, it all says the exact opposite. The lower the class size, the better the learning outcomes for everybody involved. So, um, you know, this is definitely, like I said, the pandemic has absolutely exposed that problem and ripped the Band-Aid off, as well as school funding, um, which is the reason why classrooms are so overcrowded. Um, so I think, I, I think that will definitely be at the top of our list of things we are advocating for moving forward. I just have a question that Nima touched on earlier. Have you forged good relationships on both sides of the aisle? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and people, a lot of people who don't know anything about us assume that we are a, you know, Democrat liberal group. We're not. Uh, you know, we have tried really hard to maintain uh, nonpartisanship within our ranks. Now, it's very difficult, especially in this political climate, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things that we do uh, or don't do, to the chagrin of some people, is based on basically what our membership decides. And by meaning decides, like we pay attention, you know, if somebody posts something and it creates this hot debate and it's just raging out of control, then we're like, okay, we cannot dive into this because it is ripping our group apart. And the beauty of the 120 has been, if the mission is has always been three things public education funding, protecting pensions, and voting out people who don't support us. That's been our top three. We've never veered from it. And we also focus state level. We, we don't get in to federal stuff because we honestly don't have the, uh, the capacity to handle. I mean, we'd have to bring in a whole new crew just to follow federal stuff. I mean, to be honest with you. And so I think that that's, you know, that that's the other thing. So anyway, Jenny, you have any more to add to that? No, I think, I think that was right on. I agree. I promised you all 30 minutes and can you believe it's already been 35 minutes? That's oh, crazy. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I do have one more, uh, an, another question before we get to, to our awesome live music tonight. And, and uh, Julie might have a question as well, but um, I was wondering if you could, 
maybe talk a little bit more of the challenges that you expect to see in the upcoming uh, session or year and talk a little bit about the future of 120. I'll talk about the future because it's one of my favorite things to say anytime I'm ever asked is, um, you know, I, I hope we eventually put ourselves out of business. I hope people learn how to advocate and we keep the group so that if we need collective action, we have it. But um, I hope we teach everybody to find their voice. And, you know, I think people would probably laugh if they understood how mind-numbingly boring and ordinary um, we all are. You know, I'm a mom, I've got a fat beagle, I, I'm a teacher. I, there's nothing really super special about me except for I decided to find like-minded people and pursue a cause with them. And I hope, I hope we put ourselves out of business eventually, quite frankly, um, because that will mean that everybody has learned to find like-minded people and use their voice. And, and that's, that's my ultimate goal, period in. Yeah, I think I agree with Jenny. Uh, ultimately, I hope that it's one of those things that, that people have learned so much that we don't have to continually, you know, fight this uphill battle. Mm -hmm. And I hope that eventually people learn enough to know that, hey, I can do this myself it's not, and I've always told people, the 120 is not me, Jenny, Blair, Paula, any of our folks. The 120 is everyone, is all of us. We all have that ability to rise up and take a stand. We just have to find it within ourselves. And I think that's what I hope too. I hope we do put ourselves out of business. I've got plenty of other things, plenty of boating to do, plenty of beer to drink, plenty of fish to catch. You know, I'm old. I don't, you know, I'm like Jenny and it's, you know, and it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I think that, you know, and it, but it's very fulfilling. I, you know, I've never been so frustrated over the last three years of my life as I have this three years, but I've also never been more alive, if that makes sense, because, you know, you feel like you're actually working for something bigger than you. And that's, that's the whole thing. Like, to, to have a purpose outside of just, you know, making dinner and, you know, doing this and doing that. I mean, those are the things that I hope too. And I, I hope that we get to a point where we have enough connections on both sides of the aisle to where we can kind of relax a little bit and say, okay, well, you know, we don't need to be pushing this hard. Uh, and I think we've done a really good job with that over the last couple of years. When we first came out, we were gangbusters and everybody was our enemy. And now, you know, we have managed to make those connections. And I'm going to tell you, Trent, those relationships are as difficult to cultivate and to keep and to earn trust and respect. That is like a 24-7, 365 job, you know, and um, but it can be done, but it just it, it's a lot of work and I've always believed that relationships are the most important thing period end of story relationships are uh how you move forward uh in anything and so I, I hope that that's what 120 has done is it's built those relationships cultivated them and then other people can can bloom you know under that's my hope too I, I'm, I'm with Jenny on that let's put ourselves out of business but not this year, because we're in a, in a real bind this year. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> soon, sadly. Um, no, uh -uh. my retirement's, you know, been pushed off a little bit. 
you know, our forecasting, we're basically going to be fighting um, probably once again this year for our pensions. We're going to be fighting vouchers. Um, we're going to be fighting for funding. Um, so it's the same old song and dance, just a different day, it seems like. But here we are. Well, I love your, what you both had to say about um, empowering people to learn to advocate for themselves. Um, I think that that's um, so vitally important. Um, and, and I love that you, all three of you are embodying that as women, um, as mothers, um, as uh, professionals. Um, I'm sitting here, Blair, I'm loving your child playing with your hair right now. Oh my God, you all can see this? Oh, <laughs> oh girls. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it so much because mm -hmm. if, I feel like you're embodying right now, like the whole thing that we're talking about, right, is, that <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. Um, <laughs> Take me. I love that. And, and Nima, I don't know if you remember, but you and I had a phone call in late um, 2016, probably December of 2016. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I remember really clearly just having a conversation with you where we were talking about like what can we do to try and make a difference in our state like how can we get people involved and we went on and talked about various and sundry things but um and we've done various and sundry things but i love that you all have embodied that change that we want to see in our in our state and i'm so um encouraged by it and and so thankful for the work and as a mother myself of of, of children i'm so thankful for all of the efforts that our educators are taking not only in the classroom and in the work that they do, but to take that to Frankfurt and to try to make long-term difference um, for our kids. And I know that not only will that change our schools, but it's also shaping our kids because they are learning from your example that they can advocate for themselves and that they can stand up for what is right. And I think we will change things forever because of that. So uh, no follow-up question, just to say, I'm so grateful for you, you all know, for your work. If I can give you any hopeful um, good news is that when we are old and gray, um, an interesting tidbit is that out of all these rabble rousing women we are friends with, um, pretty much all of us have daughters and there's like maybe one or two that has a son sprinkled in or there, but I mean, seriously, it's like, it's almost a little bizarre that we all had daughters. Mm -hmm. um, so understand that um, I think they are all being raised to be about 10 times as strong, powerful, awesome. Yep. Yeah, like bad A as uh, we are, and I'll I'll teacherify that word that comes on the end there. Um, but uh, so look out world in about 10 to 15, 20 years, because they're going to uh, give us a run for our money, um, and we are going to be in very good hands. So mm. anyway, I just think that's it's always really funny when we realize that we're all raising daughters. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, just a few comments. I mean, there, there's tons of comments here. I, I'm not going to get to all of them, but Sarah said, you know, uh, she wanted to be sure and mention the bus drivers, custodians and, you know, other uh, workers like that who are within the umbrella of 120. It's absolutely. really important. Uh, Donna said, love the beauty shop. Uh, Lydia said, friendships that we've created bind us together. And um, some folks are, are are pretty confident that if it weren't for 120, they wouldn't be in office. So I'll just, uh, I'll leave it with that. <laughs> thank you all so much. Uh, Julie, thank you for being here and helping me out with everything. Dr. Bolander, I know you've had a rough day. So uh, we really appreciate you being here even with all that. And uh, Nima, old friends, it's 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 great to see you. It's been way too long. It has been too long. We gotta, we gotta get this, uh, 
virus by, by so we can get to work and get you know uh and and just sit down and have a drink you know i mean i i, I it's amazing how much i've missed you know just sitting down and having a drink with somebody so yes yeah absolutely. yes good to see you all again yeah yeah and blair thanks for thanks, thanks for, for popping on i know you had a lot going on too so we appreciate you hopping on here it's good to good absolutely. for people to see your yes, face as one of the co-founders <laughs> all right well thanks everyone well, thank uh up next up next, we have uh, Eric Bolander, who's going to play some music for us. But before I get to that, I just wanted to mention our next program. Uh, our next program, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about local real estate to the Central Kentucky region. I'm going to have Liz Hodge on, a top real estate uh, person here in Lexington, and also a special guest, which I will announce soon. So if you have any questions related to those types of things, hopefully we'll get those answered next week. Same time, same place here online. Uh, Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So without further ado, uh, we are going to, if if Eric is ready, let me uh, let me just make sure that he's ready real quickly. Letting him in at the moment. Eric, are you here? Can you hear us? And are you ready to play some tunes for us tonight? I mean, my goodness, you'll just let anybody in here, won't you? I know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, uh, while he's getting ready, he, uh, I think a lot of people around, around town know Eric Bolander in the Lexington area. He is, uh, he's an awesome musician, been in bands, and he knows, he knows a lot about this sort of thing. And I hope to, there he is. All right, excellent. Good to hey, see you, you fine, sir. Yes, sir, we can, we can. I, I, I actually wanted to ask you a question before you get started. As someone who, yeah. you know, who's been in, it's been a long time, but I, I was in bands for 10 years. Uh, things are a lot different now than they were back then when I was doing it. I did. I played up until 2013. And uh, what's it like in the time of COVID to try to try to make it, try to you know get your name out there and, and all that sort of thing? I've been on Zoom calls where well, I listen I mean, to my friends play, but that's about it. I guess, thank God for the internet, you know, <laughs> one of the, one of the few big perks of for social media right now for musicians i think is doing doing things like this where you go live or or um have opportunities to still still sell some merch online and things like that because yeah i mean i mean i'm a full-time art teacher as well uh, but um 2019 i played close to 100 shows so i mean you know it's almost like a second job really and then this year i've done seven or eight shows since march um you know, outside socially distanced type programs that's been going on since the summer. But obviously some of that stuff's going away too. It's been difficult. I know, you know, some of my friends that are in the industry full time and, and that are, you know, really struggling. One of my friends who is, he may be watching, I haven't seen his name pop up, but he did a live show. He lives in Portland now. And uh, this was in the early days and the Zoom got hacked. And there were oh, some pretty cool. awful things that got spread on the screen and it's like his parents it was it was it was pretty terrible but i think you know we have better uh security in place now and i i make sure that i I'll, you know let people in and, yeah, and sure. just let yeah, anybody yeah. in but but thanks for being here uh we really appreciate it so i'm going to turn it over to you I, my understanding is you're going to play three or four songs for us yeah i'll play a few songs i kind of we hear that okay yep all right so this first song i thought it'd be appropriate this is a song I wrote about politicians and uh, no, uh, no bias there, just in general, people, uh, people in power that don't really care as long as they have power, you know, 
uh, but I wrote this uh, a while back before an election day. Um, gosh, this is a while back, like 2015, I think, something like that. Um, it's called Empty Soul. Yes, yes. Please hold the applause, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the weird things, like you're playing to your phone so many different times. It's just like it's weird, weird thing. It's a nice little change up though, being on Zoom. I can at least see somebody's face or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna play uh, the title track off my record that came out last year. I was sticking with the theme on the song The Wind is really it's sort of about my granny indirectly but it's just about facing adversity um, and kind of trying to face it head on you know some people can some people don't some people need others that do it to, to lead the way this is The Wind um, um. 
situation with the Black Jewel Mining Company. I know Jenny and a lot of the folks from the 120 went down to, to help out with those protesters, give them some snacks and water and stuff. Um, I was asked to do a play a show that was a fundraiser in Pineville for those folks. There were several, um, three or four of them along the same couple weekends that people were doing. Artists were just playing and trying to raise some money for the families for the Black Jewel Mining Company. And um, about 10 days before the event, I just didn't feel right 
doing it without writing a song about it. Um, so the whole situation's messed up. So I grew up, my dad was a union carpenter and worked construction. And, and there was three kids at one point in the house. You know, my older brother, sister, eight, nine years older. But with all of us and mom, you know, working really hard, what, what would happen if he went several months without pay, you know, being the only, the only financial support in the house. And I was like, man, that's just ridiculous, you know, considering there's about a million dollars worth of coal sitting on the railhead. And that's, that's why the folks were sitting on the railhead, so that way they couldn't move it. So that's why it kind of kick-started it. But uh, I got an opportunity to go spend the day in Cumberland, Kentucky, where it was, which is in Harlan County. And um, I spoke with a guy named Chris, who was one of the leaders in that protest. And he really said it was all in how he got treated when he went up to the locked gate to ask about pay. Is basically what put him, you know, put it in his head that, hey, I'm going to, I'm gonna sit on this railroad until you know something happens. Like, you know, just because you got the power over me doesn't mean that's right of you to do that, you know. <laughs> so I wrote this song and it's gonna be coming out in February. It's called Cold Men. Let me tune that guy up. All that build up. What you the capo? Here you go, cold man. Only said you come on a stop stop. Friendship, family. Spent your whole life living on the short side. A puppet on company strength. And take off of your don't be, you just don't care. Don't be, just don't care. A young girl full of dreams and aspirations. Sees a better pain. She wonders if the family seeks salvation. While the bills I pay, take off your wishes. If I Just 
Thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's uh yeah. Thanks I for having was, me on tonight. Absolutely. I was actually born in Harlan, raised in Leslie County. So uh oh, okay. Know all about that area. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, how it, it for those who might not be familiar with your music, where where would they go to uh, learn more? Oh, the best thing is just Eric Bolander, just my name. Uh, dot com. That's okay. it. Okay. Um, it has all the social links, but and I'm on all the streaming. So if you spot you Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon, whatever, you just search Eric Bolander and you'll find it. All right. Very good. Well, we very much appreciate this. And I, you know, I, I miss live music quite a bit during, during all sure, this. And yeah. I'm sure you do too, you know, seeing it in person, being yeah. able to play music with people in person, seeing your friends there. Uh, I saw you at Cosmic Charlie's, I think, the first time, which is, I guess, no longer in existence now. Yeah. Wow. That was a while ago. Are you talking about the one in Woodland? In Woodland? The Woodland. one. Uh, the one where Mirror Twin is, I think. Oh, okay, the second location. Yeah, second location. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I, yeah, we played at the at the first at the Cosmic Charlie's over on Woodland yeah, ten I years ago or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was fun times. Well, listen, we really appreciate you and all of our other wonderful guests for being on tonight. It is um, much appreciated, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody uh, who's out there next week. So join us again. Happy to have you all. Thank you very much. Thanks, Trent. All right.